Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. It must be annihilated. Send Rick and Daddy on war rocket Ajax. In 2013, Ming the Merciless, ruler of the known universe, declares the Earth to immediate termination. To accomplish this awesome decree, Rick and Danny are dispatched to the planet on War Rocket Ajax. The two encountered something they never thought they'd find, though. Movies. Stalled in their given task, Rick and Denny comb the movies of the Earth, sending reports of their greatness back to Mongo in what is now called the Hail Ming Power Hour. that's hovering over your planet. Right here at War Rocket Ajax, it is the Hell Ming Power Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Rick, and with me is my brother, Danny Bennett. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hail Ming Power Hour, where we bring you the classic movies of our time, your time, and any time. And uh, <laughs> we hover above you in space, ready to destroy your planet in a nice way. And as long as we keep seeing the movies that we've been seeing, you're not in any threat at any moment. So uh, today we're going to cover another of the John Carpenter classics, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. And, you know, I thought I was going to be more excited about They Live, but uh, this was even better than I expected when I sat yeah. down to check it out again. Yeah. So off screen, he started, you know, Dan and I started talking a little bit and he was like, yeah, man, I, re- I was like, oh, oh, hold it, save it for the show, because I feel the same way. This is one of those that I didn't appreciate enough when I was younger. I guess I expected more action, I guess, but looking at it now, this thing's action-packed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um, Of course, we're talking about 1981's Escape from New York. New York! Which you know is surprisingly prophetic in its uh, its its prediction of the future. I think most of these things have come to pass, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the fact that uh, the criminals in 1997 is that the year that it forward through, or is it? Yeah, yeah. 1997 is yeah, now that they're still now. driving a uh, 1977 Cadillac. <laughs> that's the that's the vehicle of choice. <laughs> well, you know, it's what they had on the island when uh, when the, the walls were erected and the bridges were all bombed. That's right. So, yeah, man, this is going to be a great one. Hope you guys are, are primed up for this one because I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back at ya! <laughs> you. 
Power Hour is brought to you by Dadass, Donkey Assisted Transport. Need a reliable donkey to get you around? Then you need Dadass. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. All right, everybody. Here we are. We are back to cover Escape from New York, the masterpiece from John Carpenter. Man, I tell you, one thing about this movie, before we even start getting into what we like about it, but he is hitting his stylish stride at this point, man. Uh, There's some really great scenes in this movie that are all based off of lighting and just, you know, the the way that the shot is put together. It's some great work. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I I know that it's a badass 1980s flick where they're sending in, you know, it's kind of like Suicide Squad in 1981, right? They, They rig him up to explode unless he brings him back to president. They could care less if, if he just dies over there on Manhattan Island. Well, you know what? That sounds good, but I'm not for sure that that's what we hear in the synopsis. So let's let's check out the synopsis we got. Oh, yeah. I think it's from uh, Jimmy Stewart. Let's see what we got here. Hello, everybody. Uh, just uh, I'm doing the uh, plot synopsis. I, it's a film I, I haven't seen myself, but I, I, I hear that your, your kids go crazy for it, or at least you, you did. I, I don't know if they still do, but it's called Escape from New York, and it's from 1981. Uh, yeah, the plot synopsis goes something like it's the future, and a crime is like out of control in New York City's Manhattan. It's now a maximum security prison. Grabbing <laughs> a bargaining chip right out of the air, convicts bring down the president's plane in old Gotham. Gruff Snake Pliskin, a one-eyed lone warrior new to prison life, is coerced into bringing the president and his cargo out of this land of undesirables. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Did he say nude prison life? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not even sure that's Jimmy Stewart. 
He seemed a little flustered about something. And it's probably because, you know, escaped from New York. Maybe I read the message wrong. I need to look at it again and see who it was supposed to be. We'll reveal who who did this in a little bit because it ties into something that happens later on in the show. But it's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, it was pretty close to the movie for once. Yeah, we're not used to that. So it's, usually they say it's about you know soap making and you know and, and pilgrim <laughs> times or something. Space werewolves and stuff like that. Space. Werewolves. Yeah, man. All right. No beating around the bush. Danny, what's your number numero uno reason to watch this movie? I'll tell you the first thing I saw and, and hadn't remembered. Hey, it's Tom Atkins. Yeah. Right from the get-go. It's like no smoking <laughs> in this zone unless you're Tom Atkins because you can smoke anywhere you damn well please. Yeah, because it just shows no what is it? No smoking and no what was the other one? Talking? No cursing, or yeah, it's like a whole there laundry list of, of, of things you can't do. And Tom just comes on in, lights <laughs> one up, blows it right in Lee Van Cleef's face. He's like, Yeah, I know you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly. <sighs> just, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom you're, the master. you're the master. The master of what? Damn <laughs> <laughs> me. Oh. And you know, he's not even, you know, he, He's in the whole movie, but he's he's not really in control of anything. But you you always notice he's there. He's the right. one pushing the buttons. He's the one getting the communicate. He's the one calling everybody up. He knows what's going on. Hey, he's already like drumming up business and smoking a cigarette at the same time. I Van Cleef is <laughs> just getting out of a car. So it's true. <laughs> yeah, man, Tom Atkins. Anytime Atkins is in something, yeah, you could say we're on the Atkins diet. <laughs> 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 Yeah, man. Can't go wrong with Tom Atkins. All right. So what you got? I'm going straight. I'm going straight for the for the the jugular here. The big fight with with Ox Baker. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, this is I mean, it's like, wait a minute. This movie took a hard left turn. We're just going to take him and throw him in the ring with the meanest guy in professional wrestling. For you folks that don't know, Ox Baker was a big-time 60s, 70s wrestler in the 80s. Uh, his moniker was pretty much being the meanest guy in professional wrestling, and he and he was. And lucky for you folks, we have an interview with him here in a little bit, so you'll get to hear him talk a little bit about it. So, But yeah, man, the fight scene is awesome. The changing of the weapons, all the craziness that's going on, the people cheering, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with any of that. Like, you know, from, from the moment that he shows up, he looks like, you know, the devil straight out of hell. Uh, he's a six foot five <laughs> madman with a with a Fu Manchu. You know, his his facial hair rivals mine for, for some authentic awesomeness. Looks like Karnov. Yeah. Uh, dude's kicking ass and taking names, and he's all out of names. <laughs> and he, he he turns up his eyebrows too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, you, you jumped way into the movie, but you know that's not what we're yeah. about. We're not telling you the story. We're telling you why you need to watch this. Yeah, movie. man. You want to see a good throwdown with an unexpected ending? I'm not going to tell you how it ends, but it's an awesome fight. That's great. I mean, it, and you know, I, I don't think when I was a kid, I, I really appreciated just how dangerous this whole thing is. You know, you see two guys whacking at each other with baseball bats. Yeah. And it's like, man, 
I don't want to get hit by a baseball bat. You know, as a kid, I think I thought, oh, you know, baseball bat. It doesn't even have a sword edge. But like I watched it this time. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. That dude's going to beat him to death. And then you get the ones with the nails in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I agree. It, that is one badass arena scene. Yeah. I, I have it in my notes a little further down because I was going a little chronologically. But no, no, you make an excellent point. Yeah, it's a so my next reason. Yeah. And again, it's something that I don't think I appreciated when I watched this when I was younger is is Romero, the uh, the second in command to the Duke of New York. Right. Uh, he's like a punk with with lion from the Thundercats <laughs> hair and some sharpened teeth. You know, he shows up out of nowhere. And in in, when they have the print, the president, and he's like. You know, you get out of here or we're going to kill the president. They try to negotiate and he just starts counting down because he doesn't <laughs> care. They're going to kill him. And this dude, he plays this Gonzo character to the nines. Yeah. Is his name Tom Roundtree, I think, is uh, look it up. I mean, it's, it's exactly, badass. He's the, it's, that's the next one on my list, man. I said, Steve Bashimi looking dude with spiked up hair and the president's finger. <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, I actually said he was a Steve Bashimi-looking dude, which ironically, yeah. Bashimi's in the next one. Right. And I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a kind of a thing. Hey, just get this other guy. It looks like the guy from the first one. But, yeah, we uh, need somebody with a real square face. Yeah, the whole uh, the scene when he walks up and says, if you touch me, he dies. <laughs> if, you, if you step any closer, he dies. If you say anything else, he dies. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, and then they start, hey, I'm ready to talk, and he starts counting down. you got 20 seconds or he dies. It's a great yeah, scene. It is a great scene, and, you know, like, he's every bit like an 80s punk criminal, you know, yeah. like showing up on the street. I, there's a lot of that going on, but, I mean, I I won't get into that. I'm just going to say that he is a reason to watch the movie. Oh, he yeah. shows up in several key scenes, and he chews up the scenery. Absolutely. How about the scene outside the trains? And they're walking away, and he just points back <laughs> and points at him while he's walking away. Like, stay yeah. there, but he won't even... I mean, it's just... He's he's great. He is definitely I, I, a top reason. I think that's... I, I I think I put down when he first showed up. Oh, man, that guy's a reason to watch it. And then at that scene, I was like, I got to learn this guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, he's great. Richard Roundtree. <laughs> that's not Richard Roundtree. That's... that's just, yeah, his name is Tom Roundtree. Round <laughs> double Tree. Maybe double, double Tree. tree. Oh, anyway, yeah. what I meant was the character's name, and it's Romero. So right. you can look it up. Google it. <laughs> Google it. Don't Google that stuff because I hit the wrong button. You because can, you can count you can on my stool. <laughs> Yeah, it, it took too long. I knew it was coming this time. <laughs> All right, my next one. Dude, I still love the graphics in this movie, man. All the computer imagery. This is early yeah. on. and They still look fantastic. I love it. Well, the reason it works is because it's supposed to be on like some kind of readout. It's like the tar the targeting radical in um in. Star Wars, you know, yep. it doesn't have to look like real stuff because it's really just a a little graphic representation of where the where the 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 goal the goal fire is going, the goal fire, fire the yeah. glider that he's coming in on. Yeah, yeah, it, 
it doesn't have to look real. And so it still looks like a great, like, you know, Tron-esque kind of cityscape. Yep. And even the opening, when you get in the backstory of the wall being built around Staten Island and all this stuff, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're seeing all these graphics, you're like, I still love the way this looks, man. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't have to look great. And even though it's in the future, it still is kind of like a paramilitary thing. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't have, you know, it gets the point across. I, I agree. Like all that stuff. It's very 80s. Yeah. Very 80s. Yeah. Very 1997. And yeah, Nick Castle was like, can I borrow some of this stuff? I'm making this other movie over here about this guy with this. this... (laughs) Nick Castle's like, this stuff looks great. I've got an idea. Robert Preston shows up. And (laughs) the only thing is there's one part in Escape from New York where, you know, snakes, eye patches come off and he goes, so and we die. <laughs> hey, <Ming. laughs> All okay. Right. Go ahead. I gotta say it. I gotta say it. So like we haven't said it before now, but it is it is absolutely one hundred percent the reason to watch Escape from New York, and that's Snake F and Pliskin. Absolutely. I mean, Kurt Russell was trying to break out of his Mouseketeer. Uh, you know, reputation. He was trying to get away from Disney movies for kids, and he did it with this movie as the badass known as Snake Plissken. You know, he's he's a one-eyed loner who's who's committed crimes and could give a rat's ass if you're going to give him a way out because he he's his own man, and uh, he's just fantastic in this. Yeah. yeah, from the flyaway hair to the eye patch to the leather jacket, he's just 100 percent awesome. And the setups of a lot of the shots too, like I was saying at, at the first of the of this part is, you know, when he when he's in the Gulf Fire, and you've got the red light behind him and the the neon on his face coming from the screen. Yeah, such cool shots, man. I mean, it's just it's magic. It's it's a little Argento ish, you know. Some of those shots, yeah, I noticed yeah. the streets and stuff would be like these nasty, you know, abandoned street shots, but you'd have this glimmer of, of light that would be shining across a wet street. And it's like, it's great shots, great shots. And, and the uh, the director of photography was Italian, and he was, you know, and one of the reasons he didn't want to film this on a back lot made to look like a city was because he said the streets would look wrong. Yeah, sure. Makes and uh, they, total they, sense. they ended up, they ended up filming a lot of the movie in um, in East St. Louis. A lot of the buildings had been destroyed by the the fire, and mm. they just never got rebuilt. So it had that look of a derelict, you know, street with with the buildings from about the right era. So they really were able to just kind of walk in there and uh, and film. That explains why in 1997s there was a whole store, a corner store that was nothing but chock full of nuts. Chock full of nuts. <laughs> I don't know if you're hell-manging it. I saw it, too. <laughs> they lingered on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest, uh, I guess the biggest uh, sponsor of this movie was Chuck Full of Nuts. <laughs> They're like, we want, it. we want our sign to be big. We want it to be right here where everybody can read it for a good ah, 30 seconds. <laughs> and then you'll get our $5,000. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So I did graphics. You did snake bliss. I mean, steak. I mean, I, it, it, it almost goes without saying, but I have to say it because you know we can't leave it yeah. unsaid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
everything about him, right? He's the the anti-hero that we just love, no matter what movie. He's just kind of all of it rolled into one. The whole idea of when I get back, I'm going to kill you. I mean, that's legendary yeah, stuff. He is the anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. you've got a, an excellent point there. Like he, n- nothing about this he's doing out of the kindness of his heart. And if he had his own way, he would have bailed in the first minute. But also part of that is is the fact that the president's not such a great guy either. Right. You know, like there's a whole there, there's a whole system that he could give a rat's ass about, and he's got good reason. Right. Right. I do have uh, as one of mine coming down, and we'll just skip it, but. Snake busting through the wall, man. Shooting through, shoot through, and just busting through. Which, when I look at it now, I'm like, yeah, it's it's all right. I mean, I love okay. the idea, but that's some thin walls, dude. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when uh, when when Arsenio Hall gets that bookcase falls on him, and he, <laughs> and he, and he busts out. And it's like a human shape, even though he's just busting the thing out, like like with his hands. It's still like a human shape. It's that kind of thing. We just we just don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just one of those where the, the 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 concept of it is actually a little cooler than what you see, but it's still awesome. Yeah, yeah, and RoboCop did it better. Oh yeah, well, yeah, so it was RoboCop, right? All right, since you went there, I'm going to go with, uh, I've got Adrienne Barbeau. Uh, She was starting to make her rounds at this point. John Carpenter's main squeeze of the time, the Duke's main squeeze, or the Brain's main squeeze, that's who it is, that she was given by the Duke to the Brain for him to make all the gasoline or whatever else he was doing. He's got a big Uh, pump jack in the back of his office. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, she's she's one of those uh, people that we just grew up with in so many films, and she's really kind of the same character no matter what she's in, but it works. Well, she gets she gets add up real good by that 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 creature in the crate. Yeah, yeah. Billy, honestly, what would you do without me? <laughs> I don't know, Billy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I agree. Adrian Barbeau and and Harry Dean Stanton, uh, yeah. they they're, yeah. they're outstanding in their in their places, kind of unofficial and uh, unwilling helpers of uh, of Snake. So it's kind of like a lesser of two evils here. They think he might actually get him out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you even get the chick earlier on. That's hey, you know. So 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 you're getting them out of here? Can you can you take me too? The girl's got the the mullet haircut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, if they feel like they got a chance to get out, it doesn't matter who it is. They're trying to latch on to them. So, yeah, it's true. And well, and then my next reason is the reason because this New York prison prison mm-hmm. is genuinely horrifying. Sure. Like I, again, when I watched it as a kid, I think you like you were saying it wasn't there wasn't enough action. But in this one, the guy's running down the street and he's banging on all the the manhole covers with the with the steel pipe. I'm like, well, what's going on here? You know, and then I'm thinking, yeah, this isn't all that scary. And then just droves of like vagabonds, you know, show up out of the manhole covers like they're in the thriller video. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, you know, like steam coming up, you know, the funk of 40,000 years. And and here they come. And 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 then dudes just start running around street corners. And it's like, it's genuinely horrifying. The crazy. There's, there's no way out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
again, you, you kind of put that stuff aside. I guess maybe because we'd seen it so much and you expected to see maybe humanoids or something to that degree, but when you just see they're just a bunch of crazy, nasty people, you're like, eh. But when you watch it now, you're like, holy crap, this place is it's worse it's just, than a prison. Yeah, it's just like the baseball bats. I guess, you know, when I was a teenager, I thought, oh, you know, he just punched them in the face and then they, so they're not, they're just people and they they look bums, you know, they're not scary. But now, older, I'm like, yeah, holy cow, I mean, there's like, there's like 400 dudes, you know, going down each city block and they right. don't care what they're tearing up and they're not tearing each other up. So, you know, they're going to get you. That, and that was genuinely scary. Well, the whole thing, and I, I may be ruining another part here, but when Snake is following the tracker and he goes up and he finds the guy that's just wailing on, you see the watch that belongs to the president. He's just wailing on that dude. And then when he gets that guy off of him, it's just some random dude who's just sitting there taking it. I mean, it's just like, right. You know, it's almost like he was enjoying it. I don't know. It was weird. Well, it, it's it's George Buck Flower, isn't it? Right, from, yeah, yeah. It's it's the guy with the champagne and the it's, tuxedo. From let me show Lane. you around. <laughs> He's just waiting for his chance to, to lie with some aliens and, and get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I'm the president. Filming. <laughs> but yeah, All right. I mean, it's just how demented this story gets, man. The the people he's having to go through to find this is it's pretty brilliant set up. I think this might have been what was missing from They Live. Like like in this there's there's a there's a there's a path. Yeah. And he goes down a road, he's looking for something down there, he finds it. And then, you know, there there's a linear path. Whereas with they, they live, he just finds out everything's screwed. And then finds out why kind of in a like let's explain this all to you kind of way and then like the end question mark you know it, it, it right. isn't quite as as tight a story yeah yeah cool uh where are we at um i think i just said it's a it's a horrific hellscape in new york right. and that's a right. reason to watch what's your next reason i got duke's caravan man because every time those cars keep coming you keep hearing that cowbell song <laughs> 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 and the chandel and the chandeliers, the chandeliers. <laughs> hanging from the from the front of the car. Yeah. And that Cadillac's got a paint job too, man. It's got it's it's almost kind of a hologram sheen to it. So when the right light hits it the right way, it's got all these sparkles and stuff in it. It's like, wow, it's kind of ahead of its time. But like, yeah, you know, the Duke is coming. Sparkles and chandeliers. Well, when you hear when you sparkles. see chand- when you see chandeliers and hear that cowbell, it's about to go on. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Isaac Hayes is about to be the Duke of New York, and he's all up in your business. <laughs> but I just, I love the idea of them riding around in cars, and that's the sign of, I don't know, ruling everything is because you can actually transport around. I, I guess so. I mean, there was a dude with a car that didn't seem too keen on keeping it because, you know, Snake just snuck into the driver's seat. When he came over there, he popped him in the face, you know. <laughs> Like, I need your car. He didn't tell him. He just no. beat him up, took it. Yeah. The butt of his gun told him. It was um, it was the Brady Bunch's car, too, wasn't it? It, it was, was like a wood-paneled uh, uh, station wagon. Yep. It's like the car from National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the family truckster. <laughs> yeah, he'd replaced all the windshields and windows with, with steel bars because, you know, people crazy up in there. <laughs> Crazy people. But yeah, man, I just, I love the whole entourage of a bunch of people that, I mean, 
are any of them really bad dudes? I mean, when Snake wakes up and he sees those guys standing over him, and they're all wearing the different colored sunglasses, and it's like, this is the this is the rough bunch. <laughs> and they were the bad dudes, like you know, yeah. uh, you know, they one of them had one fist up, and the other one had two fists up, and they're like, <laughs> I'm bad. You ain't bad. You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. Yo, ding dong, yo, <laughs> ding, ding dong, dong. yo. <laughs> all, right, all right, so I can't. We can't go through all this talk about driving without pointing out another. 100% awesome reason to watch this movie. And it's Ernest Borgnine Ernest as Cabbie. Borgnine, man. Yeah. I drove this cab here for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, he's just a nonstop claptrap. And while he's on there, like, he, he gives some good information, but he also just keeps yammering the whole time he's on the screen. He's that kind of guy. You know, he's never met a stranger and just like rails, he wants to get out of here. And, oh, I knew that guy and I was here for that. And, I mean, he, he talks as much as Roddy Piper does. Yeah. Fun and, fact, Roddy Piper and him were back-to-back there when we went to Frightmare that that's year. That's right. They were. Yeah. We didn't wait in line for Borgnine. No. no. Should have, though. We should have. Maybe we should have. I think he died like three months after that. Yeah, so did Roddy Piper, though. That's mean, like... Yeah, true part. Ooh. We went to a dark place. I did? It's we did. Good. Oh, It's all good here. Oh, he's talking about all right. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, but but Ernest Borgnine in this in this part, he's 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 every bit comedy relief and enjoyable sidekick character, and he like he leaves them for dead at some point. He just jumps in his cab and drives away because everybody there is ready to bite you back, you know, as soon as you turn around. And Ernest Borgnine, man, he says uh, he says awesome. everybody knows that like ten times. Nobody talks to the Duke. <laughs> everybody knows that. Nobody talks to the Duke. He says everybody knows that probably 10 times. It's a drinking game for you folks. Hell mean drinking game. You have to have a drink every time he says everybody knows that. How about his cassette collection? Yeah, yeah, a little little box with the grooves for the, the yeah. I mean, and the thing about it, and this is a nice way to do a little foreshadowing of kind of what happens. It's It's, again, it's really quite brilliant. Because they show the cassettes, and this is the other thing too. Because in my mind, I'm going, "Wow, 1997, we would have just MP3'd that thing," you know? <laughs> yeah, it would have would have been broadcast over the internet. You know, it would have yeah. been or yeah. safe somewhere. But a, this cassette tape's really important, y'all. <laughs> really important. Well, and I have to say, in '81, cassettes still hadn't broken through like they expected either. I mean, because people are still doing albums, eight tracks, and then cassettes. So, I mean, about another year or so, cassettes become the big thing. So he was kind of ahead as far as what was coming next, but as far as 97, I mean, we've totally changed. But yeah, I love the idea of his whole sound and his cab comes from that little bitty single speaker <laughs> cassette player, just like the one I used to have when I was a kid. Right. And I would hold it to a speaker Whenever I heard a song I wanted on the radio, just recorded on a cassette, so I could listen to a very crappy version of the song I just heard, played back to me through an even worse speaker on a cassette. <laughs> that's that's still how you do it, isn't it? Like that's how you get all your music. That's for the most part, yeah. Yeah, I mean, By the way, it's just kids, so easy. Kids out there listening, perfect service announcement. 
if you're recording music off the radio onto a cassette, you're breaking the law. Don't do it. Especially if you're recording Judas Priest. Breaking the law, breaking the law. Yeah, don't be recording music with your cassette players, kids, because it's, it's the devil. Kids. There are kids that listen <laughs> listen to our podcast. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, as soon as I saw that tape deck, I thought of the end of this movie. That's yeah. that's how good it is. It's yeah. like, oh, the tape. And you and I saw the whole play out of the end of the movie because it's because you're right. It's just so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, man. All right. You did. Uh, you did cabbie. I'm yep. going to do, how about that big display of weapons that Snake never uses? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that whole table covered with all these weapons, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. He's got all these weapons, and you know, it's kind of like Roddy Piper's tools that he carries with him everywhere, and they live. Yeah, really? well, and, and it's... It's kind of like at the resistance and they live. It's like, here you go. All these, it's like grenades and, and like all this stuff. <laughs> and here's your belt with the button behind, underneath it. You know, don't lose your belt with the button in it and, and your, <laughs> and your time clock for, you know, death, which is the coolest thing ever. That wide ass digital watch that counts oh, yeah. down how many minutes he's got left. Yeah, how cool man. is that? Yeah. The little, like, the little eagle head thing that flips up. You've got the red button underneath. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, was saying the belt buckle. So like, awesome. It was. It was also stylized. I mean, I would have killed somebody for that watch. Heck yeah. In the eighties, and and <laughs> and then you know that, and that watch just counted him down to his death, and it wasn't even. The, it was the coolest thing, and it wasn't even a weapon. Right. Right. But you know what was a weapon? It looked like a. It looked like a throwing star that was cut out of a piece of tin. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and he had he had two guns. Like, yeah. he was like, here's a gun and a bigger gun. <laughs> it's it like he was just looking across there, going, "Man, what a bunch of crap! Y'all want to go fight people with this stuff?" <laughs> he had it all on his belt, you know. Like, he's running around like like uh, like like Wyatt Earp or something, you know. He's <laughs> With his, with his, he's got like aqua, the aqua camo pants and like the, yeah. the sleeveless shirt with the zippers on the shoulders, man. Heck yeah, man. It's cool stuff, man. It's cool Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about these weapons here in a little bit because there's something significant in it. But yeah, man. All right. That's what I got. I got the, I got the display of weapons. Well, you know, I, I say Lee Van Cleef, man. Oh, yeah. This dude's a ruthless mofo. So he's the guy that calls Snake in and he's like, you know, I need you to go get the president. Yeah, I don't care about your president. And he's like, well, I don't care about you, but uh, we'll take away. You know, we'll, we'll they're gonna they're gonna take away all of his charges, right? All of his charges in the United States because you know it's the U.S. president, and he's an international criminal. He killed people all over the place, or stole stuff from people, or whatever it was he does. There's like a list. There's a rap sheet, but I don't remember what it was. And. And Lee Van Cleef, you know, he, he's one step ahead of him. He's like, I figured you'd double back, so I made sure to, to get them to inject this, this pair of capsules into your bloodstream. And they're going to, what are they going to detonate his, his, uh, his, his arteries? Arteries in his, and it would make a pinhole. Once, and yeah. They're going to dissolve over 24 hours, you know, 24 hours to the second. That's how good the government is <laughs> at making these things. And, and, and then, you know, once they dissolve, they're going to blow up. 
I, and I, for some reason I thought maybe it's because it said um, um, arteries. I thought about the heart, but he was like, he got him like the, the dude deactivated him with x-rays you know, on his neck. So, you know, it must've been like, you know, you're going to blow up and he's going to, he was just going to like keel over that way. But Lee Van Cleef stuck that in there. Didn't, you know, tell anybody, didn't tell his mama, nobody. And uh, he was going to, he was going to make snake do his bidding one way or another. Cause he's a ruthless, uh, he was a ruthless general releasimo. What was he like? Some kind of agent. Yeah, he just ran the police force, I guess, more than anything else with the military. But and his yeah. name was was Hawk H A U K Hawk Hawk Hayuk. This dude was so awesome that when he takes a break, he just goes and stands on one of the walls and smokes a cigarette and watches the <laughs> watches what's going on. <laughs> That's how He's bad dedicated. He is. Yeah. He's dedicated. Yeah. yeah. He, I don't. I don't need breaks. Yeah, I don't. I, just, I don't go to the bathroom. No, I just take a gun out here and shoot people while I'm smoking cigarettes. Hey, all right. <laughs> he's just waiting for Tom Atkins to leave, and he's not going to leave until he does because all the cool shit happens. Or with all, <laughs> all the cool stuff happens when when Tom Atkins is there. That's you know he doesn't want to miss anything. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, leave ain't cleave, man. I mean, he's excellent. Excellent. All right. I've got this note. Kurt Russell is two for two for throwing a knife and sticking it in somebody's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost yeah. like John Cumberland said, hey, remember that thing that we did in uh, Escape from New York? Let's do it again in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah. And, and he also he also must have told him, he's like, so remember when, when you had that plane and it was hanging on the edge of that building? Well, pretend that this wheelchair is the plane <laughs> and the well the well is the uh, is the building and just 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 use use your big old biceps and get yourself out of that that <laughs> such a weird scene but yeah 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 i mean, just it, it, it's such a good shot too because that's where he finally finds the president and he kind of does a, a glance because he sees this one-eyed you know superhero coming through the door and this guy turns around with a crossbow Shoot snake in the leg, but at the same time he whips out a knife and just right between the eyes. Whoop. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it is good, and you know. So here's here's where I got in my notes Fresno uh, Romero points, and I said, "How did I miss this ghoul before?" <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know yeah. how I missed that dude because yeah. he's like the he's like the 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 mad genius from Band of the Hand. Yeah, like, yeah, he's got the hair for it. <laughs> All right. My next my next reason is is this is a question for the the internet out there and and I I will hope that nobody ever answers it because I, I'm glad to not know. The brain is is you know he's he's betrayed Snake before and Snake's like, "Yeah, remember what happened to you know you know what happened to Fresno Bob?" Fresno Bob. <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know what happened to Fresno Bob, but I can't imagine it was good." With a name like Fresno Bob, the the guy was uh, yeah, he had to be for he had to be eccentric for sure. I mean Fresno Bob, and he was either a poker player or a, or a billiards tycoon or something with a name like that. There's several words in this movie that make you go, huh? Like, <laughs> oh, we t- we telexed them the other day. I'm like telexed. I telex the Tosh Station for some power converters. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's some it's some dialogue that doesn't need explanation and is yeah. still pretty awesome. Yeah, and again, I mean, Tom Hankins said it, so it it's it doesn't matter. It's awesome. 
Absolutely. He's like an angel. He's like an angel. <laughs> like a little angel. Oh. Uh-oh. So I got... A mouse died. All right, what you got? I, I had what happened to Fresno Bob, but I'll go, again. Okay. I'll go again if you want. No, that's fine. I'll go. Uh, how about Donald Pleasance, the president of extreme prejudice? <laughs> <laughs> Man, talking about a guy losing his cool. <laughs> Using a machine gun. <laughs> You're only number one. Ah! <laughs> well, I'm not going to dig too deep into it because this, uh, this is Escape from New York. Uh, there was a there was a distrust of of government coming into this because Nixon had just happened and sure. that uh, that affected John Carpenter's screenwriting. But, yeah, this dude, he cuts off the winch that, that's that's taken snake, <laughs> the guy who just saved his life to safety so that he can draw the Duke out and shoot him because, you know, the Duke because the Duke what, what, embarrassed him and, and tortured him. Yeah, nobody wants to be embarrassed and tortured. But it just shows where this dude's priorities are. You know, yeah, I'll bring you up, man, because you saved my life. But first, first I gotta, I gotta shoot this dude and I then yell use, at him. I gotta use you as a dangling carrot first. Right, right. I know he'll come out to shoot you. So what he does, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah man, but the president. Duke deserved it, right? I mean, the, the the Duke had him up against the wall and he was shooting at him. That's yeah, true. I'd probably lose my cool too. But how about the fact of? The pod. <laughs> I got a bunch of sequences here. First off, the dude that's trying to break down the door with the gun, but he's just barely hitting the door. <laughs> yep, they locked the, they bolted the door. I'm like, boy, don't put into it too much effort into that. <laughs> but well, you know, the thing's made out of cardboard. You can't get hit too hard. <laughs> but let's put the president in this egg that Mark for Mark would have wrote in. Paint it bright red or orange, whatever it is, and shoot it down there. That way, everybody can find it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the presidential Easter egg hunt. <laughs> the president's actually inside this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I just that whole sequence. I'm like, that's pretty. It's pretty awesome, man. I mean, even the 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 panel inside the egg when he's getting into it, got all the lights <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, man, that's. That's pretty cool. It, it, you, you have a good point that it has the look. Yeah. Everything about it is pretty badass. Yeah. Show um, Okay, so I've got a don't miss it moment, okay? Don't miss it. In the arena scene where he's fighting, um, he's fighting Ox, there's a dude who's walking around with a big old Coca-Cola bottle cap on his back. I mean, it's like, it's like, <laughs> two and a half feet around and he's wearing it like a backpack and it's like, and it's tur- I guess it's like chock full of nuts and Coca-Cola. We're giving them money for this because this dude's in like every wide shot and he's over there. Hey, I've got a big Coca-Cola bottle cap shield on my back. Don't miss it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's unusual. <laughs> it was weird. But yeah, man, the whole running down of the time, uh, Getting there at the last moment, getting the the capsules disintegrated so it doesn't explode. Everything about it, man, and, and you were saying it like like we said earlier, enjoyed it way more than I remembered enjoying it. I agree because everyone's coming to New York. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the criminals, at least. Yeah. <laughs> 
cool. You got anything else? No, no, that's it. I mean, I, I just want to say one more time. If you haven't watched Escape from New York in a while and you're about our age, I mean, maybe if you're younger, you'll be like, what is all this? There's, it's got flaws, but it's really fun to rewatch. Absolutely. I feel exactly the same way. That's going to lead us right into our next segment with an introduction that goes like this. Hey, everyone, this is Court Psyops, and it's time to get fact with Rick and Danny. Hey, everyone, this is Court Psyops, and it's time to get fucked. Uh, God, get 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 fr- fucking 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 You've been fucked. <laughs> You've been fucked. I know it sounds too much like fucked. It's fact. How the fuck am I supposed to say fact and not make it sound like fucked? That's fucking fucked. Fact. Well, that still sounds like fucked, doesn't it? Fact. Hey, everyone, this is Court Psyops, and it's time to give God. Hey, Court. <sighs> Almost got it. Can you make it sound like without making it sound like fucked? Can you say fact and make it sound like but don't make it sound like in case you don't know, that's uh, that's Court Psyops. <laughs> Make sure you check out his show because he's a big friend of the family. Uh, he's oh, a big yeah. friend of the show and friend of the uh, Legion podcast family. And uh, he puts out a lot of shows and, and they're uh, they're really good quality. Oh, yeah. He's uh, I'm going to say he's the most intelligent guy that I know in podcasting. I, I just I love Court, man. Uh, his show, Cinema Psyops, is on Legion podcast along with us. You got to go check out his show. Him and Matt do a great show together. And it's always a blast to have him. It's also him, him doing the synopsis, too. I didn't know if you knew that or yeah, not. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought that sounded like... It didn't sound like him. Yeah. It sounded kind of like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> we'll see if that's what it is or not. So, folks, you know what time it is. It's time to get fact with Rick and Danny. And we've got some, some facts to tell you. And you got to decide which one is true. Out of all the other ones, so we've got several. And if you pick the right one and you let us know, you get prizes. Like this prize, which is a high-quality treasure box collection version of White Zombie, right? Look at that. Paper edition, right? Yeah, and then not only that, but when you open it up, inside of it is a concert of Harry Connick Jr., (laughs) So, there you go. It's two, two, two gifts in one. That's right. It's like two hands in the bush is better than one in a bird or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly how that goes. Yeah. So, there you Last go. Last court. <laughs> All right. You want to start? You want me to start? Um, I'll start. All right. So, yeah. the 69th Street Bridge, the 69th Street Bridge was actually a bridge in the city of East St. Louis. Uh, where most most of that was filmed. Um, and for liability reasons, they bought the bridge from the city of East St. Louis for a dollar before filming and then sold it back to the government of East St. Louis after filming, like I said, for liability purposes in case something went wrong while they were making the movie. Did they sell it for the same price or did, you know, inflation yeah, go they, up? Or- <laughs> they, they sold it for a dollar. I, I think they probably was, but, but yeah, that's a good question. That could have been a way to, you know, well, you know, the, it's gone up. Right. You want people to drive across <laughs> this bridge or not? Hey, this bridge is going to be famous now, so, you know. That's right. It's where the Duke of New York lost his life. Right. And Cabby got blew up. And the brain lost his wife. Yeah. Sounds like a 
theme song or something. <laughs> and the cabbie lost his cab, and the brain lost his wife, and Duke lost his life. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's mine. The original concept, or the original idea for this movie was to have two movies. Of course, we know later on we got a second movie, but the idea was a little different. The idea of the original was to have the second movie, and it picks up right after right after the fight in the ring. Actually, it's supposed to stop. Think of Rocky, right? It stops right at the, right at the fight. And right. what they were going to do is they were going to pick up the second half of the movie uh, where Snake looks at his watch, and it says there's an hour and a half left when he's in the ring. So that's where it was going to stop. And then mm-hmm. the next movie... Part two was supposed to be in real time, so you got an hour and a half second movie that's in real time according to his watch, and that's how they're going to finish out. That was that was the way they were going to shoot it initially, and I guess because I don't know financial stuff or whatever, but they end up having to back out of that idea. But yeah, yeah I would they, have, I would have loved to have seen that version. Well, I think, and then later they picked it back up and they made twenty four. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's probably the concept where he came from. There's Keeper Sutherland just, you know, just just playing Snake Plissken and and uh, maybe who knows? <laughs> who knows? No one knows who they were or what they were doing. <laughs> All right. I uh, bonus fact, I guess, because we only have one in one, right? Or are we doing two? You're supposed to have two, two apiece. I've got two. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, now Kurt Russell kept his costume in his closet and actually drummed out the original costume when they were filming Escape from L.A. Yep. And uh, 15 years later, he still fit. And Goldie Hawn, who he's married to, in case you didn't know, several times had asked him why he had that in the closet and told him to get rid of it. There you go. Shame on you, or So they say. You know, she, she probably was like, hey, put that on, you know. <laughs> yeah, bring out that eye patch. <laughs> no, not the, the other one. Cover the other eye. <laughs> All right, here's my other one. Going back to the weapons display. If you look closely, when the weapons are displayed, you catch a glimpse of one of the axes that was that came from one of the prisoners and that was used in Kroll. Because the guy that made all the weapons, I didn't say this earlier, but the guy that made all the weapons for Escape from New York was the guy that built the weapons for Krull. So if you look closely, when it pans across there, you see the little hand lax that was used as one of the weapons in Krull. Nice. All right, well, that's that's your two facts and my two facts. So okay. we're d- done with give fact? Yeah, I think so. So don't forget, folks. You get, the right prize one. Again. Mm. you get the right one, you get this copy of Not White Zombie, but Harry Connick, I guess he is a white zombie, right? Harry Connick Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right, everybody, it is interview time, and I want you to make welcome Mr. Oxbaker. <laughs> right. The meanest man in wrestling, Oxbaker, yeah. <laughs> So, Ox, for the listeners out there, uh, is your is your real name Ox? My real name would never fly as a tough guy name. I had to change it. Can you imagine if I went by my given name, Torch Badass? <laughs> that would be embarrassing. Um, 
was acting in Escape from New York much different from the world of wrestling? Yes. I mainly miss the free cookies. <laughs> Macaroons. They would put them on my pillow every morning. Who? <laughs> Who what? Never mind. Uh, Ox, I mean, you're, you're a big guy. Do you have any bodybuilding tips for the kids out at home? Believe in your dreams. The crazier, the better. I once dreamed I was the Queen of England. And look at me now. Oh. Okay, Queen of England. Uh, that's all the time we got, Ox. We're gonna have to go, man. We'll, uh, we'll check you later. <laughs> wow. There you go, folks. The meanest guy in wrestling. Ox yeah. Baker. <laughs> yeah, we'll wow. be right back. You've waited 25 years for the sequel. Never in your wildest dreams would you imagine what is about to happen. Snake returns in his wildest adventure yet. First, there was escape from New York. I have a deal for you. You receive full pardon for every criminal action you've committed in the United States. It was an accident. About an hour ago, a small jet went down inside New York City. The president was on board. President of what? It's not funny, Pliskin. You go in, find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Then, we escaped from L.A. This is a fool. Where the hell is he going? Get ready to jump. Head for the tree line and disappear. Go. Go. Now, New Lime Cinema presents Escape from Hickman, Kentucky. Well, that was easier than I thought. Touch me, he dies. And on the air 30 seconds after hearing my demands, he dies. Come back in, he dies. We're willing to talk. Don't disarm your weapons, he dies. Don't give me all the change in your pocket, he dies. Don't give me the latest baseball stats, he dies. Wait, what? Wear socks with sandals, he dies. Make a grilled cheese sandwich in an oven rather than in a pan, he dies. Wear white after Labor Day, he dies. Groundhog sees a shadow, he dies. Are you okay? Put ketchup on eggs, he dies. Kiss an angel good morning, he dies. Put the lime in the coconut, he dies. Shake your groove thing, he dies. You're just screwing with us now, aren't you? 20 seconds. 19. 18. 17. 16. Let's go. Let's go. All right, everybody. That's it again. Another fantastic show for you from us guys right here at the Hell Ming Pow Hour. And we hope that you had a good time.
Yeah, Escape from New York is a great movie. We really enjoyed it, and uh, we're hoping that you will too. Yeah, absolutely. So don't forget to check out all the. Yep, there's Titus again. Hey, hey, what's happening, guys? Hey, not much, Big K. How are you? Oh, just preparing to execute some Phrygians for our monthly barbecue. Mm. You know, we always have such a big turnout for that. Yeah. Man, I, I really do miss those. Yeah, good times, man. Great times. Yeah, lots of fun. Hey, I wanted to ask, and you know, I don't care personally, but you said you were going to blow up a place last time we spoke, and well, I haven't heard or seen anything about it. I mean, Ming keeps asking, where's the fire? Where are the people screaming in torment? Oh, well, we we did blow up Addis Ababa, but the thing is, is nobody really cared or even noticed. That, that's on us. Uh, the computer didn't pick as prime a location as needed to. Uh, we'll try again. Okay, that would be swell. Hey, maybe you could blow up that New York place, like in the last transmission you sent? Uh, mm, that might be a good location. Nope. Well, nah. like the movie shows, it's a rundown, evacuated place. Even more than in the movie, I, I think it would just be a waste of power. Absolutely. <sighs> oh, well. You keep working on a prime location, and I'll try to keep the big cheese pleased. I mean, he's always in a good mood after some barbecue. Gotta run. See you guys later. See ya. That Clytus ain't so bad. He has his moments. Anyways, folks, just wanted to tell you one more time, go check out Escape from New York, even if you've seen it a hundred times, because I feel like this is the one that just, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, just, just take yourself back to the 1980s when you loved everything, uh, everything punk rock and everything ninja and everything digital and and you'll dig it just like uh just like that big old watch on snake Pliskin's arm right yeah the, it says i'm the president <laughs> hey, <laughs> <damn me. laughs> all right folks that's it for us we will check you later <laughs> oh, 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 oh.